CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Alright. Hey everybody, it's Brian David Marshall. Third time's the charm. Michael J. Flores, Top 8 Magic. We are walking down 14th Street to Bauhaus. The, looking at the pictures of Bows has, for a week, on the Mana Deprived website, has made Mike Flores bow deprived. Wait, so is there is there a bank or something on the way there? Because I don't have any money. They take credit cards now. Oh, they what? <laughs> when I used to go, they only took cashes. Yeah, no, uh, no, they take they take credit cards now. So, so uh, I got good news and bad news for fans of the podcast. The bad news is uh, the good news is maybe that we won't be talking about as much basketball as we normally would. God, no. But the, the, the bad news is that's because the Knicks and the Cavaliers both stink on so ice. so bad. I mean, like, they're so bad. The Cavs only win in overtime. I mean, like, that means... Don't that, even talk to me about means, overtime. That means the game was tied. <laughs> I mean, last night, Kyrie Irving had another 18-point fourth quarter, but it wasn't enough to make up for the fact they were down 30 to one of the worst teams in so the was, league. Was that, just, was, that, was that just John Wall and Kyrie Irving playing one-on-one? No. The, like, it was like one of these weird games where the Cavs got out-rebounded, and then, like, both teams both teams stink, okay? But, like, you know, they marginally stunk a little bit less, and I don't know. I don't even know what to tell you. We took the number one draft pick, and he's five for thirty-seven. Like, he's like literally the worst rookie of all time, and we took him first. And piggyback riding. I thought we. Bynum. I thought we weren't going to talk about basketball. <laughs> I, I, like, I said we weren't going to talk about it as much. Literally thought you said we weren't going to talk about basketball <laughs> as much. Uh, let's. You know what? This is a Canadian podcast now. Let's talk about the mayor of Toronto instead. <laughs> There's something to talk about, yeah. Yeah, that, that guy's awesome. Or we could talk about the spirited debate on the walls of Mark Herberholtz, Billy Moreno, John Finkel, and Carton Ken Crooner. I don't even know what this is. I'm, it's is this, like a pretty is heated this today? debate. Yeah, it's been for, it's been going for a few days. Yeah, I haven't been but it's attention. it's resulted in like John Finkel refriending Ken Crooner. Oh. Uh, like a lot of heated words. What, what, what is what is this? What is it all I, about? I don't remember who originally posted it. But it has like, it has like multiple Pro Tour champions in this thread, right? Sure. It's a, it's this state. It was like somebody from, I don't know, one of these websites, like, like not Twitter, weird, like one with like a, somebody posting a picture. What's that one called? Instagram. Tumblr, maybe. Tumblrgram. Twi- yeah, like something. Tumblrgram. Pinterer. Pinterer. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, yeah. So it was like, if you're on, I think it's like somebody writing like. If you're on welfare, you shouldn't have an iPad, and this shouldn't be controversial. Now, think of the people, think of the people that I just named. Oh, Patrick Chapin has appeared out of nowhere as the benevolent voice of reason in the last 24 hours. <laughs> it's a, yeah, yeah, to me, you know what that... Did you hear what I just said? Do you know what that That Patrick sta- Chapin has appeared as the benevolent voice of reason. Do you, do you, know, do you know what that... Has Zach Dolan showed up in this thread? I don't know if Zach Dolan showed up, but I mean, there, there have been some ancient names. Oh, there's a lot of Pro Tour champions in this thread, including Euro Pro Tour champions. And, you know, like, you know, you're, they, you know. And they're like, what's an iPad? What's welfare? No, like, Central and Northern Europe have a, have a substantial social safety net, right? Yeah. So they're talking about things from a completely different standing than, you know, Americans and 
I mean, the Canadian listeners are probably like, what are they talking about? <laughs> what are these things? Don't they teach people this with their free higher education? <laughs> like, I mean, like, have you seen Canadian Breaking Bad? It's like, I have cancer. Your treatment starts on Monday. <laughs> like, that was, that's just Canadian Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. Speaking of Breaking Bad, did you see they actually did the Malcolm in the Middle spoof ending with Lois from Malcolm in the Middle? And it got taken off of YouTube. Oh, no. It was on, it was like on every, it was like on the cover of like Fox News, MSN, everyone was carrying it. And like whoever, some some party pooper took it down. It was actual Brian Cranston and actual Jane Kaczmarek oh, did, did the actual Newhart ending That's in awesome. a YouTube video. That's and it got awesome. taken like, like Lois, some guy who looked like the shield was my brother or something, and he was trying to arrest me. Like, I, I saw, as stupid as this sounds, I saw, like, a regular newscast talking about this, um, where they were, where they were just, like, the newscaster was in the foreground, and the background was, like, a, a computer screen with this playing. Because they took down the real... But isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is awesome. Although, I mean, I think the... But the spoil sports took it down. The version that everyone wanted to see was him actually going into witness protection and becoming the dad for Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, so it was... I mean, it was the... It was the new heart ending, yeah, not yeah, yeah. the not the Which one that... Which was the greatest... Pretty much the greatest ending of all yeah. time. Speaking of not the greatest ending, what about Dexter? Very bad. I haven't watched Dexter. <laughs> it's really... Do you even talk about Dexter on some yeah, there was apocryphal a, podcast? Insanely good podcast, like, about two months ago we did like we talked about like like good and bad series finales and something I lost that one <laughs> so, sorry Canada anyway um, yeah but can you believe it they put it on YouTube and off off of YouTube now so do you do you watch person of interest I've watched some person of interest it's the best Batman show on TV you think it, re- it really is it's so it's by Jonathan Nolan and JJ. Oh, I didn't know that. So it shows that Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother. Who, who co-wrote the, the Nolan trilogy. Correct. Yeah. And so, basically, like, you can find analogous characters to all the major Batman parts on the show. Like, and they went so far as there's a recent episode where uh, this character, Shaw, who's, like, basically, like, a Catwoman or... That woman is that the one who used to be on Serenity? No, she was. She was on. She was on some like. She was on Joss Whedon or J.J. Abrams show as as an action star, right? Who plays her? Uh, Sarah Shahi. Oh no, she she was from L Word, maybe right? Maybe she's she's gorgeous. She's she's gorgeous. I think she she plays this total badass character. But anyway, she stumbles across a little orphan girl who happens to be a terrific detective and has somehow. You know, caught the ire of a local street gang, and they rescue her. And then she becomes the ward of the reclusive billionaire at the end of the episode. Oh yeah. So, does she, yeah, it's ba- it's does she have red hair and maybe green goggles? She does have red hair. <laughs> How about green goggles? No, no green goggles. Yet. I can recall. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's just well, it's those just, of you who weren't born yet in 1985. Look it up. <laughs> she, she, it's it really, it really is just like the Jim Caviezel might be a better Batman than Christian Bale. Yeah, but he's so Jim Caviezel's Batman, and then uh, the guy from Lost, who I see Michael like Emerson. every week, right? If, yeah. you, if you live in New York, you can't not bump him into Michael Emerson. He's yeah, yeah. always around. Um, 
uh, yeah, he plays basically Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah, it's like so. Well, he, sort of, he's a Bruce Wayne Alfred hybrid. So he's actually kind of a Bruce Wayne Lucius Fox hybrid, right? Yeah, Bruce Wayne Lucius yeah. Fox hybrid. That's a, that's a better way to put it. Um, Taraji P. Henson basically plays Commissioner Gordon as uh, it's like Detective Carter. As like the cop who's not supposed to be helping them. Yeah, but, yeah. And then, all right, I'll and help then you again. And then there's the sloppy Harvey Bullock cop. Yeah. You know, so uh, I should just watch it. Is it how many seasons? Is it? It's in the third season right now. I it's, should. Just, it's just, it really is like I don't like a lot of network television. But you like this? one. I really like. First of all, it also will just. I've seen a few episodes. Yeah, I, I it'll also it. go pretty dark. Um, I mean, I've seen some like goofy episodes though. Like there's a husband and wife millionaire team trying to kill each other for yeah, yeah. each other's like uh, yeah, those inheritances, but it turns out they are actually still in love. Yeah, it's the 1970s Jim Aparo Batman episodes. <laughs> So anyway, um, do you watch The Mentalist? I don't watch The Mentalist. My mother watches The Mentalist. Yeah? Yeah. The Mentalist is quite good. And you and she both asked me about The Mentalist. This is the first... Make of that what you will. I mean, I was friends with you for 20 years. As far as I can tell, this is the first time I've ever mentioned The Mentalist to you. I don't think so. You're very excited about, what's his name, Red John or Jack Face? Rock, or? Red John is the villain. Red John, there you go. I saw the guy who plays the mentalist at Whole Foods once. That same Whole Foods I've also seen. My, my mother-in-law loves him. She thinks he's dreamy. Uh, he's been in some movies that are like before he he's got in, famous. He's in LA Confidential. Is it, he's in. He's he in, plays the. He plays like the sort of gay hustler character. Well, well obviously. Yeah. Um, were we talking about Magic the Gathering ever? <laughs> <laughs> What is it? We're only nine minutes in. And nine minutes in is not bad. Canada normally, is, honestly, normally we're just we're just getting out of the first quarter of basketball talk. I mean, like we're no more epic basketball this week. I mean, maybe my team will go like two and five or something, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Oh hell, did you see two of those five games?" <laughs> well, my dad texts me only in the games they win. He's like, "Well, did you watch the game tonight?" I'm like, "Well." He hasn't been texting me that often yeah. recently. No, there's, there's, there's definitely a malaise on the New York fan side. Oh, 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 my God. Shoot, I was supposed to tell you this story beforehand. Because I was like, I have the sweetest freaking story. But it's like the only story I couldn't tell on the podcast. So I don't know who it's about. Okay. <laughs> but, well, I'm you'll pretty, me- but I'm pretty sure he's listening. So it's, it's so good. So, like, maybe I could tell you and you could figure out a way to tell a story. Because, like... It's like a sweet Braggs story. Okay. And also like a typical Flora's romantic tragedy story at the same time. Okay. It's so good. I, I don't even I don't even know how to Should I just tell it? I mean sure. It's like has to do with magic gathering. Well right. that's a good start for us. Alright, I'm gonna table this one. Canada, okay. if you want this story to be told, say so in the in the in the comments. I can said I can tell my Cindy Crawford long con story. How about that one? <laughs> did, I ever tell you, did I ever tell you the Cindy Crawford long con story? No. All right, so when I was in college, I used to hang out with this girl. Her dad was a, was a VP at Red Blonde. He was, like, my hero. I was like, I wanted to grow up to be exactly this guy. So uh, I would, like, I would, like, start chewing toothpicks and, like, she's like, why are you chewing toothpicks? Your dad chews toothpicks. <laughs> She's like, he's stupid. <laughs> so I'm like, he doesn't wear a seatbelt. Um, There's a long con. She's like, my dad gives me allowance. You should give me allowance. So uh, I, I probably mooched way more off of her 
<laughs> anyway, that's, uh, that's beside the point. So, he, he, I mean, this is how cool he was. Um, he was like, uh, he was like the head of North American HR or something. And, uh, he, uh, they, they had a bad downturn, like, in the mid, mid to late 90s. And they had to, like, have a huge, a huge, uh, reduction in force. So, right. it was, like, his, his job to, uh, decide who, who got with laid off is awful, you know. Um, so, the, the last two names that he had on his list of, like, you know, tons and tons of people who had to get, who, who had to get laid off were him and his boss. So, he fired his boss to <laughs> himself. He's like, you can't do that. <laughs> He's like, I just did. This is actually my job description. And then, but that actually activated his, his parachute by doing that. Like, well, now who's going to run this for North America and Europe? He's like, oh, well, we'll have to take a contractor in. Um, I suggest we hire this guy. And he just put himself on to get hired as a contractor. He's like, this, that's the studliest thing I've ever heard anyone do. He fired his boss. Okay. So, awesome. Um, but uh, so the, one of the one of the reasons that I super liked him is I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he uh, All right, I had, stop had, you for had a an affair with Cindy Crawford in the '80s. I gotta stop you for yeah. a second. Is it weird to see an IHOP in Manhattan? I didn't even notice that. No, there's another one on on like Eighth Avenue or whatever. I walked by it all. Really? Yeah. That's just weird. Towards to Houston Street. Anyway, so I go. Uh, you know, I, I was I spent the weekend like in this I don't know in the city or whatever. Uh, I spent like a long weekend with their family once and picks me up and takes me to the Revlon offices and he has to like go finish doing some work uh, we're not going to go in there yet no we right? can't go in there yeah, they so. have blaring music so, um, he has to go do some work uh, before you know before like the long weekend or whatever so we go in and he has all these boxes of high quality glossies of Cindy Crawford from his desk and he's like oh we got to shred these and I'm like why do you have to shred these just look at them I pull it out and like you can kind of make out some nip like she's like wearing this like mesh top he's like can't use them you know it's not, not playboy you know sure. Revlon um, and uh but you're really just gonna pulp all these probably cost like I don't know what's like a photo shoot and like all these glossies cost for a day or, like $50,000 or something I don't even know like they didn't have the internet back then you know <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just got to shred it. And I'm like, can I take, like, ten? And he's like, why would you need more than one? I'm like, can I? <laughs> he's like, I don't know. What do I care? So I take a bunch, right? And so I get a, a Sharpie, and I sign a bunch of them to, like, my all my really good friends at the time from Cindy. And they're, like, legit-looking pictures. It's not like you cut it out. They're, like, super official-looking. Right, right, right. I'm like, notice the nib. <laughs> so it's, like, super special stuff, right? So... I I'm, I was already popular. It's like really popular with like a bunch of different guys get, getting these photos out. Um, so it's like four years later, and um, I want to say we're playing basketball like late at night one night in the summer. I'm like 22 at the time or whatever, but we were probably playing NBA Jam to be honest with you. Right. So, so, um, we're like me and a bunch of guys are like hanging out. It's like two in the morning, uh, and I'm like laughing with one of my friends. I'm like, remember that time I ran that thing with the the fake Cindy Crawford pictures. <laughs> and my other, like, you know, three or four of us saying that. My other friend is like, wait, you mean Cindy didn't actually sign a picture to me? <laughs> I mean, it was like super, at first I wasn't that really much out of a con. I actually just did this thing that probably made a lot of people very happy. Sure. But, it, you know, like religion or whatever was predicated on probably not something that was true. <laughs> but he 
me who's had me for a long time and I'm like it's like I have that picture like framed in my, my room it's not real I'm like that's a real picture there's like a nip slip you know <laughs> Right. Nobody else has it is, that. A, it is a, a hard to find picture. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's the end story. Okay. So you want to talk about magic? Uh, sure. So Grand Prix. Grand Prix. Uh, uh, Owen Turnwald gets a win playing basically the deck he was writing about all week, telling people for two weeks or something. Yeah, for two weeks, just like hey, I'll play this deck, play this deck. I mean, granted, I think the deck he wrote about had Geist of Saint Traft in the True Name Nemesis slot. Was well, it basically the blue, red, white? Delver deck with Trudy Nemesis, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's kind of interesting. So I was, I was, I did an interview with Owen this week, which yeah. will be up by the time, probably before this is out. Uh, you know, and I realized it's like so. I carry Dan can get this stuff up, man. I'll be like, carry okay. Dan, you got to get this up tonight, and then you'll preempt Brian's stupid Watsy column. Uh, so yeah, it's like six and a half years since Owen. Like had his first tournament finish, which is his finals. Lo- lost to Steve. His lost to Steve. Finals Grand Prix Columbus Legacy, yeah. feeding Pro Tour Valencia, which is where he made his Pro Tour debut. This is Grand Prix DC Legacy, feeding Pro Tour Valencia. You know, just kind of. But it's like six and a half years, and like in that six and a half years, he's had thirteen Grand Prix top eights. Good thing he didn't play against Satan in the finals. I told I told Steve, I told Steve he should have like airlifted in when it looked clear that. Yeah, Owen was going to make top eight and just kind of end Bossom. Yeah. But he he had yeah he kind of wanted to hang out with his girlfriend instead. Whatever. So, whatever. Um, of course, my wife says, whatever. <laughs> That's from my wife. She says that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, so, I was just, you know, I was, I was really taken back when I, I was talking to Owen. And, you know, to me, like, I feel like, you, know, you get to the top eight 12 times, which is what he did before he finally wins. And you, you get knocked out in the finals twice. You get knocked out in the semis three or four times. You get out, you get knocked out in the quarters like five times. Like, to me, I feel like at some point that's got to be a little tilting. Like, a little, like... You think? Yeah. I, I actually think completely different. <laughs> I was reading an interview with Glenn Close, like, last week, right? So, I mean, Damage has been off the air for a season or two. You ever watch Damages? I, I have it's to. I know, so I, I, know I should watch it. It's insanely good. Um... And so I actually, sw- it's like lock and key, you know, like, I like this thing so much, I actually want to learn the backstory and read about, you know, Glenn Close, who's had a storied career as an actress, yeah, yeah. says, you know, this was really the role of her lifetime, which is amazing, considering, like, the, the palette of things that she's, she's, she's done. And, you know, she, I think she, what is she, like, maybe an Emmy nominee or a two-time Golden Globe winner, but she's, like, lost fighting for the Oscar a bunch of times. Right, right, right. And, and, like, some interviewer said, like, uh... You know, you feel like a loser, you know, like feel tilted, whatever, you know. Because she's considered to be a great actress, and right. at the same time, you know, she's lost fighting for the Oscar like five times, whatever, right, right. right? And she's just like, no. I mean, like, I'm so privileged to, you know, to be a working actor, to be in this situation, you know, to get to have a chance. Like, I, she's actually doing the thing that people like Tina Fey complain doesn't exist, right? She plays a serious, age-appropriate female role right. and leads a cast, you know, like, and, and she's like, how could I possibly feel like a loser? You know, can you imagine the level of richness you have to be at to complain about consistently losing in the top eight of a Grand Prix? I mean, that's almost silly, right? Well, I'm not saying complaining. No, I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, tilting or whatever. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I've, I've somehow softened because probably in, in, in 
in podcast past, uh, Plubby can look up and say that in 2006 you said anything other than victory is failure. You know? well, you, right, you've cer- you have, your position said has certainly like softened that. on that. I mean, it was just kind of interesting. But about- a Grand Prix top eight, you get a cue. Sure. It pads your Hall of Fame record. Sure. Those, those are pretty significant. Like, who wins a coin flip in the finals of a tournament? Is well, that, that was kind of what that was kind of what I was. I would say now he's like, you know, like how often do you get to finish first in a tournament? Really? Like he's like, it's he's like it's hard. Like he's one like, out of a hundred times. He's like you know, you know he you know and uh, and then he was just always pretty. He you know I, I was like well you know I mean I I was like I got the impression watching you in Santiago that maybe you were getting a little frustrated or a little tight playing and he's like no he's like that's not that's just not what I do I focus on each game and each match and then like he like he'll get stressed out about magic big picture like will I be platinum yeah right or will I win a pro tour right you know stuff like that like or will I get invited to the world championship but like he doesn't stress about the in-game stuff which I thought was really was really kind of difficult to do and I was like I was like oh you know because my approach is, I mean, I, I've I've played on the pro tour, but really, I'm kind of a, I'm an F and M player at heart. Right? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like, I'm I, I. So I, you know, my my, I'm always amazed, or still am amazed by sort of the mental approach of the top players to the game. And really, after playing with John so many times, you're still amazed. Well, John that. is, but John is kind of like, uh, you know, sort of. Uh, a freak of another order. So I, I, I can tell you from, from I understand where you're coming from, and I bet that that's very resonant with our, our listeners. Actually, right. just well, to yeah. be clear, but I, I I can think of my own perspective, which is that when I played my first pro tour, I was so starstruck being there. Yeah. You know, like, oh yeah. Even like like names I recognize from the internet, like Kathy Nikoloff. <laughs> I was starstruck at, at some of these folks, you know, or Tom Champagne talked to me, you know, yeah. he's the reigning world champion at the time. And, I mean, would I have thought... You have the slightless nights? <laughs> but I thought 20 years later, you know, how much more famous I would be at Magic than Tom Champagne, you know? At the time, you know, certainly not. You're going to get some angry letters from the Tom Champagne fan club right now. Well, luckily, this is a Canadian podcast, not an Australian one. Sorry, Pubby. <laughs> anyway, um... Uh, you know, and I was really starstruck. And then I heard Mark Justice talk. <laughs> uh, and I was just like, Mark Justice was the biggest star on the pro oh, tour yeah, at the yeah. time. And, and I was just like, kind of what was I afraid of? But I still had jitters playing in matches, and I didn't do that well. I went like, I don't know, four and five or five and three. Something that wasn't good enough to make whatever the cut was. But not, not good enough to finish the money. I, I'm sure I didn't go five and three. I probably did worse than so, Essentially worse than that. But... You know, and then playing the next couple of pros, I tilted really bad on my second pro tour. Like, I had an excellent draft, and I just lost to two badly inferior decks in Monoscrew situations where either one I would have made day so, two. Let me, let me just side question yeah. here. Were they badly inferior decks? Like, like oh, they were time, badly inferior. Because a lot of times, you know, someone will lose, yeah. and they'll see a deck that they don't recognize or a strategy that's not what they acknowledge. And lose and go, that was a bad deck, because oh, you no. played this card. Or... I played a black-red deck with, like, two fireballs, like, two drain... Like, my, my red was, like, a mountain to cast my fireball. You sure, know, like, sure. like, and, like, Nightmare. Like, my deck was insane. I mean, it, this was a different era. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, I mean, actually, like, six-drop big creatures are actually still pretty good and limited, right? But Nightmare's... And my deck was, like, a 7-7 seven, seven flying for six, you know? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, my deck was excellent. I just got Monastery twice. Right. Like, I, I clearly knew how to win a, win a limited match. I, you know... 
won several in order to qualify. You know, they, yeah. they, uh, uh, and um, but I'm am just saying that a lot of times people will. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is what you I mean, did, but I'm saying a lot of times you'll see people. See, you know, when you see people do that all the time, you, you play testing a deck online and you beat someone with a deck, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, what a terrible deck! That's not what that's not what blue white decks look like right now." What are you doing? No, I mean, it's like in my first draft, I beat a Hall of Famer and a Pro Tour Top Eight competitor, and like, you know, I mean, I was really, I, I felt like I, 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 th- I felt like my ability was greater than okay. my performance. Sure, uh, but I still shouldn't have tilted, you know. And, sure, you know, th- those are things you learn on, you, you learn early on. But then by the time I was playing in my 20s, uh, I think the fact that I just played so much with John, I just, like, I just, I was no longer afraid of anyone across the table. I honestly get more jitters if I just, the first round of almost any big tournament I play, like, play in states or something, pretty jittery the first round. Then, like, you know, just kind of get into a groove. I'm still really excited if I win, like, a... If I, if, if I win an 8-4, I'm, I'm happy. If I win a cube, if I win an elimination cube, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah! Every time I win an elimination cube, I think to myself, I could just play in another 10 of these and I, I would be qualified for the mocks. I, I'm <laughs> sorry if I've ever played you in an 8-4 and beaten you in the finals because I gave you such the finger when I beat you. Really? Through my computer. Oh, I'm like, I got like, oh! Are, oh, are you kidding? I try... I... I, not, not, I would never, you know, I would never like say that. Stuff, but you know, I'm just like, screw you, I it, got you. It's, it's actually, it's, it's funny you say that. Like, I try really hard not to engage with my opponents at oh, all. Oh no, I'm not engaging with them at all. Unless they're like super nice to me. They're like, like if they're like, oh, I really like your article stuff like that. I'm like, I feel really obligated at that point sure. to like interact with them. But the thing is, it's not that I'm being unfriendly. But they're like, oh, you're not friendly. You're not talking to me. I'm not trying to, you know, right, concentrate yeah. on the game. You know. I, my best game is, is pretty good, but it requires me to have a lot of things sure. running in the same sure, direction. Sure, sure. Because my my average game is pretty bad. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> so the obviously the variance between my average game and my best game is very substantial. And I just try to focus on the things that, that are going to make me win. Um, and, you know, you've, you've seen my cube decks and stuff. I really try to draft one strategy only. Uh, fire blast you? Fire blast you. If I, I mean, if I... If I like take a like ah, oh, I take a first one blood braid elf, and then like three picks in. If there's a woolly factor in my pile, I'm like, what happened? <laughs> and you can still win that. You can still win that. Oh thing, sure, sure. And you're just pissed at yourself if there's a lightning helix in your deck so instead so of a jackal pop. It's so funny. I, I really, I really do think people's cube approach is dictated by their favorite card. Like fire blast is among your favorite cards. I mean, if by least favorite, you mean? <laughs> no, I. The reason I draft this way is because I tried to draft it. If you. Uh, I kept a record of all my cube decks from when I started drafting cube on Moto. And the early ones are, like, pretty mid-rangey and bad. Like, you can still win. You go 2-1 or whatever. But you weren't going to win any elimination cube rounds that featured, like, a Hall of Famer in them. Or a, somebody who had Pro Tour, Top 8, Grand, uh, Grand Prix Top 8s. Uh, and of which there are many, right? So, like, I would be posting my pictures of, of things. And then I would look at Dave Williams from the, you know, from the same day. And Dave Williams' deck has got, like... Three Moxes, a Lotus, a Mind Twist, an Upheaval. Now, clearly, my deck, which had, like, I don't know, a bunch of, like, Braids, Cabal Minions, <laughs> whatever I had, to gain some small incremental vengeance, was not was not as good of a deck. Uh, and then, you know, I, I posted a lot of, like, 2-1-ish type records. And I played Swiss a lot back then. I, I actually, I don't see there's anything wrong with playing Swiss Cube, because Swiss, I mean, sorry, Cube is really just about having fun. Sure, I and, agree with you. And, and uh... It's not about, like, oh, man, I'm playing this like, cutthroat format to prep for the Pro Tour. Actually, you want to maximize how many fun matches sure. you can have. And the draft takes forever. So, like, I actually, 
I really, I think that Swiss Cube's fine, right? So, you, know, you post some two ones in Swiss Cube, or you start winning some, you start winning some elimination cubes. And the first time I ever won one, I was just like, I didn't know what to do. My pack was weak, okay? My pack was weak, so I took like a lightning bolt, and I was like, next pack was weak, so I was just like, I don't know. Is Jacklepop really the best card in this pack? It's just there's just nothing I want, you know. So I, I hated drafting. I get all, all these, uh, and then I just ended up with this deck, and I just ran like a lance through all of my opponents, and I'm like, is this how this works? <laughs> then I did it again, and I just like boom, like a lance again, and, and I realized uh, this was just the way I was going to draft every single time if I could. The uh, fun, funny story though, so I go play in a team event with uh, Taya Steele and Josh Rabbits. I go, I, you know, draft the red deck. I win, I win the first round. I got paired. I wasn't even paying attention. And I'm playing against Josh in the second game. So I crush Josh in the first game. Second game, I'm, like, winning, winning, winning. But he's got, like, one of these decks that's, like, all the green bombs and all the blue bombs and then, like, just all the acceleration. You get to and, punch him for three turns. Yeah, and then, like... And then he takes over. But he's got nothing, right? He's just, like, it's like, oh, man, my only out is... Uh, is Avenger of Zendikar so that I have enough blockers to not die. He's like, oh, Avenger of Zendikar. <laughs> and so he just, he, he has like this crazy, where he's like, he like uh, does something that surges for lands and he gets like multiple in-colored Karoos with like an exploration in play. Like his deck is just so goofball, right? And so I got, I'm like chatting him and I'm like, are you streaming? He's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, so the people will see this when I type this. I'm like, why did you not draw like this earlier today, asshole? <laughs> like, we were literally teammates in a team event earlier this day, and I'm like paired against him in a cube draft that night. He's like, "Sorry, brah, primeval titan." <laughs> so it was close. It was close match. I, I didn't win. So and then you know I talked to him later. I'm like, "Do you win the draft?" He's like, "God no, mana screwed." <laughs> oh yeah, mana screwed. Your deck of all nines. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I still get excited if I if I win an elimination yeah. cube. If I win an eight four, yeah. I mean, winning eight four is not that big a deal. I haven't won one in years. <laughs> I assume it's not. That, the last time I remember, it wasn't that big a deal. I tried to win one a night. Really? Yeah. You, you play enough drafts so you can win an eight four a night. I mean, I can generally win an eight four. You think your, you think your likelihood of what do you think your likelihood of winning a random eight four you enter is? Like, uh, I would say I win one in three of them. So that would put you at thirty-three percent. I think so. So if you, so if your average, what's like dot seven five times times a half? That means you're about you. You figure yourself about a, about a seventy-five percent chance to win a match, right? Seventy-five times that's a little bit under fifty percent. Seventy-five percent of that. Um, I'm not sure if my math is perfect on that. I have no idea. But if you win one in three, you probably uh, you probably put yourself in a pretty, pretty your expectation of winning a limited match is pretty strong. Like you win three out of four so. limited yeah. matches. Um, uh, I mean, my numbers are also inflated by you know. Do you just ignore all the ones you do badly? No, no, no. I was gonna say I had a, I had a run during the end of Dragon's Maze where I won like eight eight fours in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I won like. No, it was like seven. It was seven, eight, fours. I won twenty-two straight matches. I uh, I keep myself honest. I only play constructed for the most. I play constructed in cube actually, yeah. but I keep a track record of every single rated constructed match I play. So I okay. cannot lie. Okay. If I go in and look, I know where I so have my just, bad runs. So you won't answer. What? So you just won't answer if I ask. If you can't lie. Uh, what's the question? No, I mean, I would have to look up. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what my current rating is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so. 
the strategy I have is to pick a deck and then play the deck in a, like a bunch of one v ones or yeah. you know uh, eight mans or whatever, and then if I'm not if I'm not at least plus EV on the deck on Moto, I can't possibly bring that to a big tournament, right? So, I mean, even when I played the Liliana, the Dark Realms deck, I was like 66% to win a match. Uh, so I, I want to I come back to Sander in a second, but just to yep. go all the way back to where we started this series of tangents. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just talking to Owen again about going into this top eight. And, like, the top I'm eight, so proud of Owen. He's come a long way as really, a human being, too. I, I, I really like Owen a lot. Um, and I, that was not always true. I, I never had any problem with Owen, but, I mean, you, but, like, not having any problem with Owen to, like, yeah, he's actually, he's yeah. got to be a pretty good person. Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, that's a good leap for someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I mean, not that I'm such a great person. I should be judging I, anybody. I, I, the, even, uh, it's just, like, he went from someone who was a kid to someone who's a man. You know what I mean? He's, like, that's, it's really that okay. progression. Um, What's a chicken coffin bow? I don't know. I've never had that. What? What? That? Oh, and they cut out something in the middle? I guess so. So, uh, you know, so the top the top eight of Grand Prix DC basically breaks into two halves. One half is four guys you've never heard of. And the other, other half. half is Owen, Sam Black, Craig Wesco, and some unranked player named Andrew Cunio. <laughs> and, right? and so Owen has to so go. So the funny thing is, it's like a member of Peach Garden Oath is in that, right? And yeah. Is in the top half. And... And it's not even him. It's two other guys who are in the top half that have decks play, made by Reed Duke, right? Yeah. So Andrew's playing Reed Duke's Elves deck that he won an open with this year. And Sam is playing Reed Duke's Bant deck that he won an open with like two weeks ago. But look, those are both Reed Duke decks. So like, yeah. So like, if you're like, oh, no, that's just Elves. It's not just Elves. Like, Reed was like, no, we should just play Craterhoof Behemoth because if you can cast this card, Craterhoof Behemoth usually wins, right? right. That's, like, an interesting innovation, yeah. right? So, like, think about how much storming you have to do with, like, um, uh, what's the name of that guy who draws cards equal to your creatures? And, uh, Regal Force, right? Regal Force. You're at storming, and you're, like, drawing cards, and you're eventually grape-shotting or maybe predator-dragoning, you know? Like, Reed's like, no, if you have this many guys in play, you just get Crater of Behemoth and kill them. Right, right. And, and it's fast, you know? Or you can just natural order for it. And, and he's just like, oh, well, people do a lot of these things that are fancy, but what if we just played all the 1-1 elves that tap for G? <laughs> what if that was... Then wouldn't all our draws be exactly the same? Right. It's like, yeah, if all our draws are exactly the same, and our deck has only these cards, <laughs> natural order, Crater of Behemoth, and Green Sun Zenith, what does that mean about our deck? I'm like, what? Well, if you ever draw Glimpses of Nature, you just kill them on the second turn. This seems like a good strategy, you know? And it's way different than the Elves decks that people played previously. Right, like, right. Even if it's, even if cosmetically it looks like a lot of the same cards, it's really not. Right. Um, and I, I think some people, like, even call it non-combo. It's clearly kind of a combo deck, right? Right. But they're like, oh, this isn't really a combo Elves. I make guys. Yeah. Right. Reed makes guys, too. And then they attack you for 20. Right, right, right. Um, I'm sorry. And then uh, Sam's playing Reed's deck, but with four true name nemesis, right? They made some kill your darling cuts in that deck. I don't know if you studied it. You know how many Knight of the Reliquary are in that deck? Two. You know how many Jason Mind Sculpture are in that deck? One. I mean, they, like, they they didn't take a scalpel to that. They took a broadsword to that deck. Restricted bant. I like, I mean, can you imagine cutting two Knight of the Reliquary? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't... Legacy, Legacy is, like, some 
form of martial arts that I don't understand. Oh, they got a stone forge mystic. That's crazy. There's <laughs> take a three stone forge mystic, two knight of the reliquary. But they did, so and this they is, could, and this is to make room for true name for four true name nemesis. I mean, they must really respect a true name nemesis I mean, the, to make these cuts. So let me ask you a question. I, I haven't looked at all the lists. Are people playing engineered plague yet? I mean, I. I you know my opinion on this. So when we saw True Name Memphis, I'm like, I'm not really that much of a buyer. And it's not that I didn't think you could win. I'm like, I, my assessment is this will be in top eights, okay? Right. But I'm not that much of a buyer because it's only good against fair decks. It's not that good against unfair decks. Well, but the, the idea is, if you look at Owen's list, going back to yeah. Owen, like, he can beat the unfair decks with dazes and force of, like, he can be you like... You have to draw the can, right half he of your can, deck. No, well, he, the right, that half of his deck's in his sideboard. No, they're in his main deck. Well, I guess he can swing. He, he can toggle back and forth between stuff. I mean, Owen's deck is still is still. I'm not sure if the right word is modular or modal. Yeah, where like he has cards that do distinct things, right? Like this is a creature I want to play on turn one if I can, right? Right. This is a creature that gains me some amount of card advantage, right? This is a counter spell. This is a free counter spell. Yeah. You know, this is a you know, and he just has only lightning bolt, right? right. Yeah. And sword. Lightning bolt and sword. No, no, no. Just for red. He's, oh yeah. And he has yeah. like a. He won a game where uh, his opponent blood moons him early in the game, and the only cards that in his entire deck that he could cast are batter skull and <laughs> grim lava dancer. <laughs> One. Uh, so Craig Wesco yeah. played a white weenie deck. Played Death and Taxes. He declared it's his favorite deck now in Legacy. I mean, we basically played the deck that Ari Lax used to win the Legacy Championship. Did it though? So well, the yeah. archetype. So Art, I, I actually there's substantial differences here. Ari Lax played Mongara of Corindor. Okay, but when I first experienced Death and Taxes as a strategy, I was like, oh, this deck has like Aether Vial, Mongara of Corindor, Flicker Wisp, Caracas. You can like activate Mongara of Corindor and then use Caracas or Flicker Wisp to get it back so that you don't you don't lose it, right? right. That they lose their perm and then you're viling it back or you can vile Flicker Wisp and it in some speed yeah, yeah. so that your Mongara lives and their thing gets destroyed still. Or, I'm sorry, exiled. Yeah. Um, sent far beyond the battlefield, etc. And Mungara can hit, like... Anything. And Eldrazi. Yeah, so... And, and, well, they've already got... The, I'll get that in a second. But Craig just played Sarah Avenger. <laughs> so, so... Oh. Like, oh, I wonder why you noticed this. So, it wasn't even, like... Like, my... The, these are really different cards. <laughs> really extraordinarily different cards, right? Yeah. Mungara Corridor. But he's, is he still playing Aethervile? Yeah. Yeah. But he's still got Flicker Wisp. <laughs> <laughs> but is this it? Uh-huh. Uh, but the the thing is, I uh, that deck uh, what Josh sold it to me on. I, I still don't like that deck at all. But uh, I first saw Josh was playing it in, a, in an open. I think he top sixteen or something when we went to Baltimore or DC a few months ago. Um, is that that is among the best decks in Legacy against Sneak and Show? So like the deck is like three or four Caracas, which is just insane against Sneak and Show. Right. It's like Phyrexian Revoker. You can like revokes uh, sneak attack. Right. So, like, how do they get their guy out, right? So, like, show and tell. Like, oh, I'm going to show and tell Caracas. <laughs> their only threats are Grizzlebrand and Emrakul, so... Right. You know, Emrakul, that's a... What kind of an Eldrazi is that? Is it a legendary Eldrazi? So, they've got that, and then they've also got, like, uh, Talia, Guardian of Thraben. So, um, 
they, they just put pressure on the deck from a number of different Yeah, so the Sneak and Show deck, even though it's explosive, only has like 19 lands, and it's all like Gitaxian probes, ponders, preordains, brainstorms, lotus petals. You're like, bloop, bloop, Tiling Guardian Thraben, cast a spell. <laughs> that brainstorm will cost you two. You can actually slow them down to the point where like your goofus white weenie deck is fast enough to kill them. Because this is not even a fast white weenie deck for standard, right? right like, if right, you think right. about, like, what a white weenie rush deck looks like in standard, it's probably faster than death and taxes. But, you know, they've just got... You know, they're slowing down Sneak and Show to the point where it's not so explosively fast. Like, like a Sneak and Show typically can go, like, First Turn Lotus Petal, Ancient Tomb, Show and Tell, Emrakul, go. I mean, if you don't have Caracas right there or relatively few number of creatures or that you can show and tell back immediately deal with a, an Emrakul the Onsorn you're pretty much dead right to a first turn Emrakul but Death Texas has a lot of answers to that right. so but and I think it's like the main reason why it's good in, in Legacy I don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's an objectively good deck like you know, Josh played it pretty well, and he's even able to beat some legitimate opponents, you know, Esper Stoneblade decks and stuff. And he's like, not convinced it's better than Maverick if your opponent's not not uh, not show, a sneak and, sneak and show deck. And not sure it's better than Maverick, because you take that for how you will. Is, is, uh, is Sneak and Show been, like, beaten into submission? No, Sneak and Show at the Star City Invitational was the deck. Right. Right? So it's like six players in the top eight played it or something. What about what about this weekend in DC? Uh, it had one player in the top eight, including yeah. finalist. Yeah. Yeah. So I maybe mean, you don't know what the composition of the of the uh, of the uh, the Swiss field was. Um, it, well, you certainly can't imagine though that any any of like the pros yeah. are going to go to this event without a clear plan to beat Sneak and Show, right? Is Sneak and Show demonstrably? Is that, I don't know. I guess. It doesn't, like show and tell doesn't, any- matter, doesn't matter if it's demonstrably better or not, right? It's it's just clearly uh, one of the dominant successful archetypes. So you're so gonna, I'm just wondering, like, you're going to make sure you can beat it. It's sneak and show. So I, this is what I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, you know, when Billy Jones was first coming back, uh, you know, he hadn't he hadn't established a lot of contacts with the current community yet, and you know, I was I was working on on legacy with him because he wanted to play in the mock stuff like that. I gave him the innovator. Uh, innovator breakfast deck that you know Patrick Chapin and I worked on. I was thinking like, like isn't breakfast just faster than Sneak and Show? And it does a lot of the same stuff. Like you can even days in that deck. You know, days force of will, and you don't actually have to use your graveyard to kill people. I think that people don't realize that you can just win with breakfast without that. We have all these awesome cards. Like, what's the most awesome card in Death and Taxes? Aether Vial, right? Yeah. Like, what's the most awesome card in the format? Brainstorm, Force of Will. It plays these cards, and it's also a turn two kill deck. And you can do stuff like I didn't appreciate it this at the time. Jerry told me to do this. I probably should have listened to him. Uh, is just play Grand Abolisher main deck. I don't know which what, one's Grand Abolisher. He's white white for right. a two two. He's got some other text, but your opponent can only do stuff on his main phase basically. If Grand oh. Abolisher's in play, he's like a hyper abeyance. Like they can't even activate stuff, right? I don't think. I'd have to I'd go reread it. I'm pretty sure you can, like, just vile a Grand Abolisher in at the end of your opponent's turn and he's dead. He has, like, no possible interactions. I'm not sure why that's not why that's not the thing people do in Legacy. Because it's actually so powerful, right? Like, let's say you're playing against, like, random opponent who goes, like, Misty Rainforest on the first turn. You're just like, first turn, 
uh, you know, uh, nomads on court go. Is it dead? All right, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. Like that, that's it. Like, there's so many decks to just pack it to an aether bar. Are you going to Vegas to play in the invitation? I really want to, but I'm going to Hawaii like the next week, so I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if this is gonna fly. I really want to. I got the I got my notice in the mail that I was invited yeah. yesterday. Should I go? I mean, I kind of want to. You feel like you, you feel like you have a, a deck that's dominant in legacy. I feel I would crush in legacy right now. Like I actually. I don't know. I, like, you sound on top of it. I mean, I was just, like, warming up Moto last night. I was just like, uh, if I start grinding Legacy Cues, there's no... I've, I've, I haven't asked my wife if I can go. <laughs> and hotel rooms are so cheap. It's yeah, 99 yeah. a night. I could, like, root... And I'm sure I have a friend going, right? I'm sure you do. Yeah, Josh and Taya said to go, but I would just blow all my money in strip clubs if I went <laughs> to Vegas. All of it. Every drop. I wouldn't even play Magic the Gathering. How dumb it's is unlikely. that? It's unlikely. It's unlikely that you would not play Magic again. I kind of want to. I haven't even thought about this. I kind of really want to go now. <laughs> All right, people, you got to convince Mike to, uh, at Five with Flores on Twitter, you got to convince him to go to Vegas to play in the Invitational. Um, Re- represent uh, Top 8 Magic here. All right, maybe I'll play. What if I play? I'll make a deal. I'll play 10 Legacy Qs. Between now and Saturday. And if I go 10 and 0, <laughs> that'll go. 10 and 0? I mean, I've done it before. Like, yeah, this right. is not, might not be a, a great bet. You wouldn't take 8 and 2? 8 and 2 is a good record. Yeah. Take 8%. Usually, when I, when usually, the problem is that usually when I do a good streak like that, even in small queues, it ends up screwing up the metagame. You don't, you don't need a lot of people to see you. Sure. You need one influential person to play against you. Sure. And then, or you need somebody to mention something to an influential player. Sure. And it ruins the next tournament. I mean, I, I've had this happen numerous times where I was just playing in one one v ones, and then like some patchwork version of the deck that I was playing ends up winning the next PTQ, but I can't even take credit for it because I'm supposed to be sworn to secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> I just get like an email. I was like, good job, idiot. <laughs> so, this weekend, yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Grand Prix, Standard. I mean, I was looking at the results from the Open last week. Standard looks just like wide open. You think? Yeah, I mean, there's like six different decks. I mean, obviously there's like red-white devotion and then there's red-white aggro or... Green, I mean, red, devotion, like, and red, green, so, aggro. So there's but like, those are different decks. Well, there's little red, green, and big red, green. Right. Right. And then there's like... Little red, white, and big red, white. Well, what's little red and white? I, 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 I don't there's, know. There's Boros, which is just like white weenie with Boros right, charm, right? Right, right, right. And then a more devotion-based red, white deck. Like a red devotion deck. Yeah, Which yeah, is yeah. a completely different deck from a red... There's at least two different red rush decks, actually, right? Right, yeah. There's red rush deck, red rush deck with devotion, then like actual devotion red deck. And then there's still Esper, there's still blue, white... What would you play if you were playing standard? Good grief. I'd probably play the... I'd probably play some kind of blue devotion deck. If I had practice, I'd just for sure go Esper. Yeah. It has, it has all the tools. It's true. Esper is kind of demoralizing when you play against it. It's like, I mean, you have a... You have a supreme verdict against blue devotion. Yeah. They actually just... Their guys just all go to the graveyard when you I cast mean, that card. The In Legacy, and yeah. in Vintage even, people play... Supreme, Supreme Verdict, verdict. To, kill to kill like, <laughs> or, but also to kill like 
master waves. Yeah. Or to, or, you know, to kill, like, merfolk decks with counterspell. Yeah, but in standard, you just cast this card and all their guys go to the graveyard. Like, yeah, yeah. They're like, yep. They're yeah, yeah. Nothing like, uh, I mean, what, the funny thing is, there is stuff you can do about that. Yeah. Right? In blue devotion decks? No, well, sure. Not I mean, in blue devotion decks. Sure, why, well, why couldn't you splash white? And oh, play, like Rootborn Defenses? Play Rootborn Defenses. That doesn't seem like a terrible card to play right yeah. now. I mean, the Blue Devotion decks are splashing green for frilled oculus right now. <laughs> like, why yeah, Why would you do that when you could... Like, honestly, Rootborn Defenses is just fantastic. In Devotion? Why not? I mean, there's already the Blue-White Devotion deck, right, that has, like, Detention Sphere, right. Sphinx's... It's like, you have all these Devotion, right? You're like, Sphinx's Revelation? Yeah. I like that deck, too. But I, I, think, like, I think it's just, like, not as good as either the Aggro Devotion deck or the or Esper. It's just way cuter than either sure, one. Sure, sure. Like, unlike, the, unlike the My Pretty it's Pony like, scale, if, it's, it's got, like, like, a really sharp horn. It's like, what if I played the Blue Devotion deck, but I also got to Stroke of Genius myself? Like, wow, that would be really cute. <laughs> <laughs> but then you notice that, like, your mono base is that you can no longer cast the one drops. So like, well... This deck didn't need the eight one-drops that it usually plays, right? Yeah. Uh, I would play that, or I'd play red, red-black red control, I think. Yeah. I think red-black control has got some I like red, I, think I like red-black control a lot. Um, I really like I, I like the blue-green devotion deck. You like not the, the, not the one with Oculus? Oculus, the one with uh, Master Biomancer. That's the one with Frilled Oculus. You have Master Biomancer also? In the also? sideboard. Oh, it had it in the yeah. sideboard. I really don't understand, like... Like, Steve's going crazy. He's like, Master, 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 because you have Master of Waves and Master of Biomass. I'm like, what does that actually do? I'm like, well, if your Master of Waves dies, your your, your, your elementals might not die. They don't die. Yeah, that, that's, that's it. That's pretty good. Not if your opponent's casting Supreme Verdict. Well, what if your opponent's casting Hero's Downfall? And Hero's Downfall is going to be like, uh... That's what I was going to do in my Black Red Control deck. Why are you ruining my day? <laughs> is that deck not viable anymore? I don't know. No I guess one. we'll find out this weekend. Like, I mean, you know, it's all, it all depends on what... I mean, I'm excited because Conley promises to have a brew for this weekend. He's like, he apparently has been, like, brewing up something for this event. Like, And he's like, I've never had results like this in Standard on Magic Online before. Really? Yeah. So, he apparently has something special. I like it when Conley's, uh, Conley's head surfaces. He, he, I think... Uh, yeah, he's. I'm a fan. I'm a yeah, fan I mean, I think I think he gets a little like um, sanded out of the process in the Channel Fireball group, like because he's such a he's such an uh, idiosyncratic player and deck builder. I, I've talked to him about this actually, he's and I think like, I think he, you know, and like you know, you just have like people who just have this <laughs> tremendous amount of statistical data and at, you know dozens and dozens of hours a day, dozens and dozens a day uh, hours of playtesting and like Frank and Josh and Leighton that like, I think it's like, I think so much of what Conley does is based on you know, like his love for Magic the Gathering. His love for Magic, but also like on his intuition for Magic. I I, I don't agree. I, I, I talked to I talked to Conley about this particular thing a lot, right? Uh, because obviously we we share an affinity for some of this and you know, um I, you know, I have a deep respect for, for anybody who can, I don't know. Uh, we're playing Extended. Just my Soren Markov. <laughs> That's obviously the card you would play. Right? <laughs> uh, although Conley did ruin the World Championships that one year, right? When um, when uh, he convinced all those American players who were going to play my awesome Grixis deck that I couldn't lose with on Magic Online. Instead playing his stupid 
uh, acidic slime deck. Oh, I love afterwards, that deck. Afterwards, like, Dave Williams was like, how did you let me play Conley's deck? <laughs> but that deck ended up being essentially our blue-green Genesis wave deck. It was black-green. What? It was a black-green deck. Uh, oh, no. Oh, you're right. That was the... It was the uh, ooze deck, right? It was like... It was like ooze combo. Yeah, it, it was, was... like necrotic. Oh, okay. I'm thinking like of the best deck. record of all the good players who played that was like three and three. They already were just locked for top eight. <laughs> like desperately made it in. <laughs> like, Williams was like, what am I doing? I was like, Williams, this deck is super good. Like, I'm winning like... I'm winning like 90% of my matches and all of my opponents are playing in the tournament you're playing against because that's the only idiots who play extended cues, right? Like I just beat Gabriel Nassif, you know, like something like that. And uh, he's just, he's like, yeah, well, you know, Conley's deck's pretty sweet. It has oozes. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, long story short, um, I respect to Conley. I would love to see him uh, display a brew. Predict predict the deck that's going to win, a deck archetype. To win Grand Prix Albuquerque. Deck uh, archetype. Deck archetype. Um, Esper control. I'm calling Boros. Boros? Agro. Boros Agro. Yeah. So white weenie with Boros charm. Or 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 something more Borosy. I would love that because Patrick Sullivan's playing it. That's so he, he put out the bad signal on Facebook for cards, and I'm just like, you need cards. He's like. It's like he's like, yeah, I think I, I think I have a line. I'm like, because I own like sacred foundries, temples, whatever, and I'm like, I have nothing better to do with them than to send them to one of my favorite mages this weekend. I will send you a FedEx envelope. He's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just driving to Albuquerque, and somebody's gonna have them between here and there. Do you imagine my temples of what is the temple of abandon? I have another name. Uh, sure. No, temple of abandon is red green. Whatever, temple of whatever thing. Yeah. Sacred foundry. Shipping out over to, to P. Sully. He, that would be awesome, right? But, I mean, he's, like, best friends with Many Beatdown, right? Many Beatdown won yeah. an open with that a few weeks ago. Yeah. You think Boros? I think Boros. I wouldn't mind seeing Boros. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote Esper. I, okay. If I were playing myself, I would probably play Esper. So next next week's Thanksgiving, but Tuesday or so, we, we, we can regroup a little earlier in the week. Uh, we could definitely regroup we'll do, You we'll know do. what I could do? What if I, like, let everyone on my team out early on? They've been bugging me, they're like... Like, we get out early on Wednesday, and I'm like, okay. no. And they're like, every other person lets their team out early. And I'm like, like so? Why don't you join one of their loser teams? <laughs> like, oh, can we get out early? I could just pretend like I'm nice and let okay. them out early. But really, I just want to cast out and maybe I, eat bow. I, oh, that's good. But I, now I think I have to make, um, I have to make uh, Momofuku milk cookie, uh, corn cookies on Wednesday. Well, what's happening? And I'm making... So I made banana pudding this weekend. With bacon. With peanut butter and bacon. It was the Magnolia recipe. How'd you get it? You steal it's on, it? It's online. Really? Yeah, it's just online. You have a cookbook. It's just, it's super simple. I made, you make the, the peanut pudding. I added peanut butter, uh, like a dehydrated peanut butter mix. How did you get that? You I made buy it? it online. Okay. Um, to make like at a Canadian pharmacy? Yeah, to make like <laughs> peanut butter pudding. Yeah. Then I mi- mix the whipped cream. And then I fried some bacon, chopped it up. Did you really fry like, that bacon? Looked like it had been rendered in uh, an oven. I did it in the oven. You're right. I'm yeah. sorry. And so it was. You uh, think I can't tell? <laughs> and so it was just like it's just Nilla wafers, pudding, bananas, bacon. Nilla wafers, pudding, bananas, bacon. So how did you like it? It was insane. See, I hate bananas. That's the problem. Uh, well, then that's a problem for you. Yeah, because I would have loved I could that. Do a, I could do a peanut butter bacon one for you. What would you have instead of bananas, though? I could put, like, peanuts in it. Like, oh, I'm done, crunch. done, 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 right. yeah, done, done. Okay, and then I'm making uh, 
the corn cookies from Momofuku. Yeah. Uh, this is the magnolia. I'm sorry, the magnolia banana pudding. Not, yeah. I know, I'm, I know. I'm doing the milk bar uh, corn cookies, Why don't you make but the, with cranberries and cherries. Why don't you make the milk bar croissants that have like the no? I gotta get one of those. Stuffing inside. I gotta get one of those. So, All right. Anyway, I gotta run. Uh, Michael J. Flores, Brian David Marshall, and I'm gonna go go eat some bao. Okay. You're gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. Bye. Bye.